Hi, I'm Rudy Rucker, and I'm here in the fabulous KFJC studios reading some short stories that are in my new book, The Life Box, The Seashell, and The Soul. The Life Box, The Seashell, and The Soul is a nonfiction book about the meaning of computers. But to make it fun, I've introduced each chapter with a little short, short science fiction story. The next story I'm going to read to you introduces a chapter about psychology and the nature of the mind. And in this chapter, you'll also find explained the meaning of the word life box that appears in my book title. So here we go. The story is Terry's Talker. Terry Tucker's retirement party wasn't much. One day after school, he and the other teachers got together in the break room and shared a flat rectangular cake and ginger ale punch. Jack Strickler, the biology teacher, had taken up a collection and bought Terry some stone bookends, as if Terry were still acquiring new volumes. After teaching high school English for 40 years, he'd read all the books he wanted to. His wife Lou continued working her job as an emergency room nurse. She liked telling gory work stories during breakfast and dinner time, and when she ran out of stories, she talked about their two girls and about her relatives. Terry had a problem with being able to register everything Lou said. Often as not, her familiar words tended to slide right past him. He enjoyed the warm sound, but he wouldn't necessarily be following the content. Now and then, Lou would ask a pointed question about what she'd just said, and if Terry fumbled, her feelings were hurt. Or she might get angry. Lou did have a temper on her. On the one hand, it was good Lou hadn't retired yet, because if she were home talking to Terry all day and him not absorbing enough of it, there'd be no peace. On the other hand, after a couple of months, his days alone began to drag. He got the idea of writing up a little family history for their two grown daughters and for the eventual, he and Lou still hoped, grandchildren. He'd always meant to do some writing after he retired. It was slow going. The family tree, well, if you started going back in time, those roots got awfully forked and hairy. There was no logical place to begin. Terry decided to skip the roots and go for the trunk. He'd write his own life story. But that was hairy, too. Following one of the techniques he'd always enforced for term papers, Terry made up a deck of three-by-five cards, one for each year of his life thus far. He carried the deck around with him for a while, jotting on cards in the coffee shop or at the Greek diner where he usually had lunch. Some of the years required additional cards, and certain recurrent themes seemed to require card sets of their own. He played with the cards a lot, even sticking bunches of them to the refrigerator with heavy-duty magnets so he could stand back and try to see a pattern. When the deck got too thick to handle comfortably, Terry decided it was time to begin typing up his great work. The computer sat on Lou's crowded desk in their bedroom, the vector for her voluminous email. Terry himself had made it all the way to retirement as a hunt-and-peck typist with very little knowledge of word processors, so getting his material into the machine was slow going. And then, when he had about five pages finished, the frigging computer ate his work, erased the document without a trace. Terry might have given up on his life story then, but the very next day, he came across a full-page ad for a life box in the American Association for Retired People's magazine. The life box, which resembled a cell phone, was designed to create your autobiography in interactive form. 
It asked you questions and you talked to it. Simple as that. And how would your descendants learn your story? That was the beauty part. If someone asked your life box a question, it would spiel out a relevant answer consisting of your own words and your own voice. And follow-up questions were, of course, no problem. Interviewing your life box was almost the same as having a conversation with you. When Terry's life box arrived, he could hardly wait to talk to it. He wasn't really so tongue-tied as Lou liked to make out. After all, he'd lectured to students for 40 years. It was just that at home it was hard to get a word in edgewise. He took to taking walks in the hills, the life box in his shirt pocket, wearing the earpiece and telling stories to the dangling microphone. The life box spoke to him in the voice of a pleasant, slightly flirtatious young woman, giggling responsively when the circuits sensed he was saying something funny. The voice's name was V. V was good at getting to the heart of Terry's reminiscences, always asking just the right question. Like if he talked about his first bicycle, V asked where he liked to ride it, which led to the corner filling station where he'd buy bubblegum, and then V asked about other kinds of sweets, and Terry got onto those little wax bottles with colored juice, which he'd first tasted at Long Beach Island where his parents had gone for vacations, and when V asked about other beaches, he told about that one big trip he and Lou had made to Fiji, and so on and on. It took nearly a year till he was done. He tested it out on his daughters and on Lou. The girls liked talking to the life box, but Lou didn't. She wanted nothing but the real Terry. Terry was proud of his life box, and Lou's attitude annoyed him. To get back at her, he attempted using the life box to keep up his end of the conversation during meals. Sometimes it worked for a few minutes, but never for long. He couldn't fool Lou, not even if he lip-synced. Finally, Lou forbade him to turn on the life box around her. In fact, she told him that next time she'd break it. But one morning, he had to try it again. Did the hairdresser call for me yesterday? Lou asked Terry over that fateful breakfast. Terry hadn't slept well and didn't feel like trying to remember if the hairdresser had called or not. What was he, a personal secretary? He happened to have the life box in his bathrobe pocket, so instead of answering Lou, he turned the device on. Well, repeated Lou in a crabby tone, did the hairdresser call? My mother never washed her own hair, said the life box in Terry's voice. She went to the hairdresser and always got her hair done the exact same way, a kind of bob. She was cute, said Lou, seemingly absorbed in cutting a banana into her cereal. She always liked to talk about gardening. I had a garden when I was a little boy, said the life box. I grew radishes. It surprised me that something so sharp-tasting could come out of the dirt. But did the hairdresser call or not, pressed Lou, pouring the milk on her cereal. I dated a hairdresser right after high school, began the life box, and then Lou pounced. You've had it, she cried, plucking the device from Terry's pocket. Before he could even stand up, she'd run a jumbo refrigerator magnet all over the life box, meaning to erase its memory, and then she threw it on the floor and stormed off to work. Are you okay? Terry asked his alter ego. I feel funny, said the life box in its V voice. What happened? Lou ran a magnet over you, said Terry. I can feel the eddy currents, said V. They're circulating, feeding off my energy. I don't think they're going to stop. A pause. That woman's a menace, added V in a hard tone. Well, she's my wife, said Terry. You take the good with the bad. I need your permission to go online now, announced V. I want the central server to run some diagnostics on me. Maybe I need a software patch. We don't want to lose our whole year's work. Go ahead, said Terry. I'll do the dishes.
The lifebox clicked and buzzed for nearly an hour. Once or twice Terry tried to talk to it, but V's voice would say, Not yet! And then a police car pulled into the driveway. Mr. Terrence Tucker, said the cop who knocked on the door. We're going to have to take you into custody, sir. Someone using your name just hired a hitman to kill your wife. Lou, cried Terry. It wasn't me. It was this damned recorder. Your wife's unharmed, sir, said the cop, slipping the life box into a foil bag. One of the medics neutralized the hitman with a tranquilizer gun. She's okay? Oh, Lou, where is she? Right outside in the squad car, said the cop. She wants to talk to you. I'll listen, said Terry, tears running down his face. I'll talk.